0: to Europe's number one pro-wrestling podcast. That no substitute. Bringing you the best in pro-wrestling interviews,
1: news and opinions with Mr. Stevie
0: Knight. Hello, welcome to Seconds Away. It's Nighttime Wrestling Podcast with me, the man in the title, the main man. <laughs> Sorry, Richard, you're the main man now. How are you, youngie?
2: Uh, well, I'm not. I'm a camp man trying to make it through in this hectic world right now uh, yeah i'm good thank you very much the um, world's
0: crazy the world's mad at the minute isn't it the, the world's great but we're going to give you sanity that is uh, what
2: we're here for uh, just well, a, a, ish, ish. A, I, I guess an hour or so of easy listening like lionel richie we are easy like sunday morning
0: lionel i love lionel when we were traveling about wrestling every day the lionel in the d's mobile car uh, Oh, we loved a bit of that on the way home when it was getting to two or three o'clock in the morning and we still had two hours left till we got home to stay awake. I remember <laughs> I remember us driving home one night and literally we were both just falling asleep in the car and I said, that's it. I'm going to fall asleep. So we put all the windows down and obviously they weren't electric in the Deez-mobile. Oh, They <laughs> so definitely we, weren't. We, we wound the windows down and we sang very loudly to right said Fred's You're My Mate.
2: Yes, we did. Um, I'll tell you what I think. Um, I think um, that we had a session that day. It was uh, We belted some out, absolutely. I, I remember the staples of the road trip. That was one of them. Uh, Guns and Roses, the one off Terminator 2. Oh, You Could Be Mine. You Could Be Mine. That was a, that was always a uh, turn it up as loud as you can song. Like best song. We, had, we had the best of Guns and Roses on the card, didn't we? That was always one. But always, take that, of course,
0: Always take Uh, that. Always Uh, take that.
2: Let loose. Let loose. Let loose. But always, without fail, Lionel
0: Richard. Lionel, he was the one that calmed us down on the way home. And then obviously when it started getting to really, really early morning the next day and we were still two or three hours from home, we couldn't have Lionel on anymore because we'd be asleep.
2: Too easy. Too easy. It's
0: too easy like a Sunday morning. It usually was Sunday morning as well, so we had to be careful. Anyway, how are you, Richard?
2: Yeah. um, You know what? What a great guest. We're going to let you into a secret, ladies and gents. We've already recorded this interview, but only about 45 minutes ago. Yeah, he was uh, a nice, nice man. Really nice guy. Mark Haskins, we've got on the show today. He's internationally travelled. He's only 31, been around for years and years, travelled the globe and super, super nice.
0: I was gobsmacked um, when I looked at the places that he'd been to and the companies that he'd been signed to. And still now in Ring of Honor doing really well and uh, a big name in the wrestling world. Nice to chat to him. Uh, Not the usual guest we'd have on, but that's the whole reason why we're here, isn't it? Because we've had lots of old school guests and to have a current Ring of Honor superstar on was good. Because like it says, guests past and present in wrestling.
2: Yeah, the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be.
0: Do you know my favourite wrestler of all time? Bret Hart. Bret Hart and Mark Rocco. My two favourite wrestlers of all time.
2: Yeah, I mutually agree on Rocco. I was always a Shawn Michaels guy, I have to say. But I love Bret, don't get me wrong, but I was always a Shawn Michaels guy.
0: Shawn Michaels is amazing, there's no doubt. But Bret just... Even when I first saw... First time I ever saw American wrestling was when they played it like on a, a Saturday afternoon slot in place of World of Sport for like two weeks or something like that. I can't remember exactly how many times it was on. And it was the Bulldogs against uh, the Hart Foundation. And just the first time I saw Bret Hart, and he was like a nobody really. He was just a, a tag team guy, lower card tag team guy. But there was just something about him. And then I kind of followed him from then on really. And I picked the right guy because he went right to the top, didn't he? So it, Brett was just, to me, always just great. I, I always loved Brett Hart. We got to show, do
2: a show with him, didn't we, in Colchester?
0: We did, we did. Yeah, I had a rotten match against Darren Burridge, which was nothing to do with Darren Burridge. It was, it was a point in when I shouldn't be wrestling anymore. My back was absolutely just. I could, I could hardly drive the car. Could I? I was absolutely knackered no, on my back. No, um, so yeah, it was nothing to do with with Burridge. Um, Actually, I was a bit gutted for him that night because he was really, it was at his hometown and he was supposed to be on with somebody else. And uh, he got stuck on with me. <laughs> <That's him. laughs> got lumbered. He got lumbered. He got, he got lumbered with going on with me uh, at the tail end of my career when I could like, hardly walk. So, yeah, I felt a bit sorry for him. Not that we didn't get heat. We got heat because, you know, I generally still got heat. But um, doing anything physical was getting a bit tough at that point. But, yeah, Brett was there. So that was that was cool. And he, he was all right. He was a nice geezer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was an FWA show. And uh, Mark Haskins, as you will learn during all this, is a former FWA trainee. He started at the FWA training school. And we've taught a lot about the FWA. And we're, we're going to talk more about the FWA in the coming weeks because it's a, a big, we believe it's a big part of what is now British wrestling. Um, but that FWA Academy in Portsmouth, which was run by Mark Sloan, uh, Steve was invited to do a wrestling seminar weekend. And um, let's just say Steve's wrestling style is very different to what maybe they'd learned before. Would that be a, 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 a correct observation?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I went down there, and it's a hell of a drive from where we live to Portsmouth, about uh, six hours, but it was great. I was on my own as well, so I just got some CDs on, and I'd I'd literally bought a car the day before, and it it was shite, this car that I'd bought. It wasn't very um, confident it was going to get me there, but it did. Uh, But I've got to say, as you say, my wrestling style was different. It was much more old school, while still effective, I have to say. Um, but they loved it. The trainees there, there was about 10 of them and they all told me, and this is not big headed, They all loved it. said it said it's the best weekend that they've had. Cause they used to have regular people come in and do these training weekenders. Um, and it was cause I did little stuff with them, you know, little, little bits that maybe they've not been shown before or uh little ways of doing things um, psychologically, why they did it when they did it, uh, that maybe they'd not been shown. Maybe they've been shown lots of moves um but maybe they'd not been told why they're doing that move and things so they absolutely loved it and um in fact there's two people that you know 10 years later contacted me um and sent me messages saying oh it's the best one we ever did thanks very much and things like that which i thought was really really nice because it makes absolutely. it makes it worthwhile uh yeah that was a hell of a weekend though because we had to sleep in the um in the ring on the night time so top well, quality
2: why did you have to sleep in the ring may i ask
0: I, you know, I don't know if it was just me doing that. I'm not sure. I slept on like a crash mat. I think maybe I was just mucking in with everybody because they all had to sleep in the, um, in like a industrial where the you know where the ring was, where the training weekend was. Uh So I think maybe I just volunteered. We went to the cinema on the night time, went to watch a film. I took like five of them with me. I just kind of mucked in, and we had a you know a good weekend, and uh it was great fun. But there was a girl on. It's really me because there was a girl there. And um, so we did the Saturday training and then we obviously went to, went to the cinema, had a kit. Then we had training on the Sunday and Max Sloan, if you've not met Mark Sloan, who is the organizer of the FWA, uh, he's very, um, I like Mark. He's a really good mate and we got on really well, but he's, he's unique. He's, he's very unique is Mark. And he likes things his way. And that, that's the way there is, there is no other way. That's the way to do it. And that's how you do it. And, um, I was talking to him and me and him walked out and outside this building, there was a hose pipe and the guys had been having a shower ready for the day with this hose pipe because there was no showering facilities. So as we go out, the girl that had been on this, (laughs) this course was outside with no bottoms on having a shave, shall we say under the hose pipe. Uh, Oh, (laughs) And we just kind of looked and were, uh, okay. And this was on like an industrial site, and there were people working and things around. But sure enough, she was there with nothing on and having a shave. And Mark said, You can't do that there. I said, She can, it's fine, it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 was a, it was a funny one. I remember it as clear as day um obviously it's a memory that stuck with me not not in a pervy way it was it was just funny it was just so strange as to why she would possibly do that right then and there
2: well um we'll leave you with that image as uh, we throw over to our conversation with
0: mark haskins why what is that what you remember mark haskins has got very long hair and a beard (laughs) so did she past tense (laughs) enjoy enjoy haskins i'm good man yeah how you doing absolutely superb superb well the kids are hopefully asleep upstairs so um i might i might get disturbed i'm not sure yet but
1: yeah they 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 never stay in bed long do they never
0: how many have you got
1: we got uh two uh jackie's seven uh going on eight in november and then lily's just turned five
0: same as mine exactly exactly oh, wow. the same. yeah cool. exactly the same so and, and is your what you got a girl and a boy
1: yeah my son's older and my daughter's the younger oh,
0: well we're, we're the opposite way around so yeah, yeah we're, I, we're, we're exactly the same yeah mine's you, you, five as well i've got a five-year-old as well His joy, yeah. the joy is... you've got it easy just one it's, it's when you've got it's when you've got two you have the trouble that's when the, yeah. that's when it kicks off
1: Yeah, one's doing one thing they shouldn't while the other's doing something completely different. Like, I'll tell you this much. So uh, a little this is probably going back about a year or so now. Um, You know, as a parent, when you hear the kids laughing, you know, it's not a good sign. Right. Which is made all the more worse by the fact that I know that they're both in the bath together having a a wash. So, like, I'm terrified what I'm going to find. I walk in and I find my son bent over the taps and Lily is scrubbing his arsehole with a uh, toothbrush, <laughs> right? And she's just there scrubbing away. They're having the best time. Daddy, look at us. Like, of course, I'm the heel straight away because I have to, like, diffuse the situation and, like, take it away. And Lily's so upset. She was so heartbroken. She was like, Daddy, don't throw my toothbrush in the bin. I'm like, you're not cleaning your teeth with this. This has a bit a problem.
2: <laughs> Is this the longest time then you spent, pretty much spent at home then with them, like considering bearing in mind?
1: I guess so. I mean, uh, I think there was a couple of times, uh, a couple of periods where I was off like for injury. But I think that was around sort of like three, yeah, two, three months that I might have been at home. Um, gosh, how long have we been in lockdown now? It's what, like 10, 11 weeks, isn't it? If not yeah, more.
2: Yeah. Coming up to three months, aren't we? I think it was mid-March, wasn't it? So.
1: Yeah. So I guess so. Yeah. I guess it is pretty, uh, yeah, the longest I've been with them.
0: And but you're, I, I read on your Twitter, you're loving this uh, lockdown.
1: Dude, I am unsociable at the best of times. Like, you know, um, yeah, um, I'm such a hermit. Like, I've disappeared home and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, um, I think it's like my family were farmers. Like, there's sort of like a, a mentality of just kind of like being on your own land, like having your own place kind of thing and just kind of like making the most out of what's there. And um, it's great. Like, I hate, like... I hate going away and like having to say like goodbye to the kids, but then it's, you know, part of the job of what it is that you have to do. Right. So, um, it's been great just like spending lots of time with them at home.
0: And I think a lot of people probably think obviously with you now being in ring of honor and things, they think you live in America now, but uh, you're, you're still based in the UK.
1: Yeah. Pretty much all my bookings dried up. They, um, yeah, everyone thought I'd moved and I'm like, no, nah, I'm still here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm still based in the UK. Um, they uh, there was talks that like when my contract started about me possibly relocating to America, but knowing my luck, I would relocate, get fired in a month, and then have to you know take the family back home again. So uh, we're playing it by ear, but we're about a year and a half into the deal, so things are looking good.
2: <laughs> are, are you? Am I right in thinking that you're kind of Midlands area now?
1: Yeah, uh, based up in Malvern, which is just down the M5 corridor uh, between Birmingham and Gloucester. Um, but it's it's one of these towns that literally no one has ever heard of, and and that's kind of like the way I like it, really. So
0: no, I disagree. You see, because I have heard of it because that girl from the X Factor was from Malvern. What was she, she called? Lloyd, the yeah, the, the really annoying one that went that I, did with that did. Share Lloyd.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. She was oh, from she, Malvern.
0: Yeah, Share Lloyd. Swagger Jagger. Swagger, Swagger Jagger. You should start coming out to Swagger Jagger. Heel, <laughs> heel, heat. Proper heel heat. Maybe. When I was working at the radio station uh, in Cyprus, it was number one, that song at the time. And we had this meeting after we had a meeting every morning and uh, they decided they was no longer going to play Swagger Jagger. And I was like, but it's number one. And everyone was like, yeah, but it's crap. Yeah, but you can't decide that. It's number one. How can you say it's crap when obviously everybody else likes it? No, we're not playing it anymore. It's crap. I was disgusted. Being a pop fan, I was disgusted. (laughs) But
2: but then did you play like the crazy frog when he got to number one? For No, that was
0: crap. That was
1: crap. No, no. (laughs) The worst thing now is uh, my son loves watching things on YouTube like funny videos or, you know, gamers playing games and that. He's now discovered crazy frog. So it's like, you know, 15 years after we thought we'd got rid of it, it's now being played in the house again. And it's like, oh gosh, it's as annoying the second time around as it was the first.
0: I have discovered YouTube and like obviously being old now, I'm like 44 now, I, I just can't believe how people can not just make a living off YouTube, but make millions of pounds off you. These kids' things that she watches, like eight year old, nine year old things, they've got like 28 million subscribers and, and millions of millions of hits. It's just unbelievable.
2: Yeah, is that like Ryan's Toys? He's the big one, isn't he? he he's like the uh, Bill Gates of the kids' YouTube world. It's absolute madness
1: yeah it's crazy it's uh it's a very odd time to be alive um it's also
2: especially this year
1: (laughs) oh tell me about it right like um yeah it's been a bizarre year from uh from everything that's happened insane i also like i found it bizarre as well how like Basically, the US government like announced that aliens existed and they knew about it, and that like nobody bad an eyelid that was just like ah, whatever, like brushed off compared to everything else that's been going on. It's like, guys, is everybody hearing this? Like, you know, this, you know, this is yeah, interesting.
2: I, I think I gave it the kiss of death. I think last year I was kind of going, Oh, they, the 2000s haven't been very memorable, have they? You know, everyone talks about the 80s and the 90s and things are going on and the war. 2000s are a bit of a nothing here 2020 just comes and goes, Yeah. Come on, let's have it. We'll,
1: we'll just throw everything at you. You jinxed it. This is all your fault. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's my fault. Oh my god, it's madness. Anyway, anyway, we we we. I suppose we better talk about wrestling. I don't know. Maybe people have tuned in for wrestling. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they just want some talk about nonsense. I don't know what do you...
1: dad stories, that's dad it. stories, that, that's, and, and
0: yeah. just how crap twenty twenty is so far. But there you go. <laughs> there you go. So uh, you started way back, way back. Now, what year did you start? Uh, Two
1: thousand three.
0: 2003, so a full swing of the FWA Academy. Uh, Mark Sloan, it was your original trainer over the academy there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, i started with the Academy Junior sessions. I was only 15 years old when I started uh, training, um, and I went to the FWA Academy because I was a huge fan of the FWA at the time, um, and I used to pester my dad to get get me tickets and take me down to London and watch the shows, and uh, I approached uh, you remember tape trader barry at the back of uh the hall once and it was him who gave me the brochure for the the academy and um yeah i, I started training down in portsmouth it was about sort of two hours away from where i grew up um and there were schools that were closer but it was a place i wanted to be because it was a place that was turning out talent at the time and i figured like if i want a fair shot at this if this is my dream i'm serious about it then i'm gonna make the extra effort to travel and get you know a really good start in, in pro wrestling and that's what the academy gave me
0: and who were some of the guys that were training with you at the time? Was there anybody that's gone on to be known wrestlers? Uh,
1: there was a guy called Paul Burchill who, of course, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he
0: was
1: he was about for a bit. Uh, PJ Black, I remember the first time I met him. Um, it was a show day, and we were waiting to load the ring, and uh, uh, yeah, Mark hadn't arrived yet. Uh, Mark's alone, and he had the keys to the unit. But PJ had somehow found a, a tin of paint somewhere outside the unit. So he took it and he just put enough underneath the door handle. So when Mark finally rocked up and unlocked it, he like just grabbed it and had paint all down his hands. <laughs> so um, it, it's super cool now, especially being in Ring of Honor with uh, PJ. It's, it's nice that like, you know, he's seen me at the very beginnings and then we've kind of got to a, a bigger stage. And, and, you know, he's had tremendous success since since i you know met him.
2: Yeah, we've talked. It's funny because we've we, we talked with Doug a little bit about the FWA and the influence. And I think when the FWA first finished the first time, I, th- I think a lot of people almost saw it, on, especially online, as a bit of an opportunity wasted. But if you look back at it now, the amount of people that came through, the amount of opportunities that gave, and really that this whole kind of new start of British wrestling all started from FWA, didn't it? Guys like you were influenced by it, and so many others.
1: Dude, that's the thing is like you, you can wrestle a show in front of practically nobody, but you never know who's in the crowd. So if you're wrestling in front of only 10 people and they're 10 promoters, that's 10 opportunities. Like you you never really know how much of an effect all of these things have. Like, you know, I've had... People come up to me and say, oh, um, you know, I saw you wrestling at a show 10 years ago and they're now wrestlers. Do you know what I mean? Like it's I don't think that the FWA doesn't get the credit it deserves for how many people that influenced and what sort of knock on effect that had because they were the first company that really made it feel possible over here that a, a UK based company could reach the heights of success that many companies now have.
0: So when you was like getting into wrestling and watching wrestling and going to see the shows, obviously going to see the FWA shows, um, there were guys that you were looking up to on there. Who were some of the UK guys that you um, watched and obviously I would think got to wrestle a bit later on as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I've wrestled Doug like, uh, quite a few times. Um, that's really cool. Any time I've been in there with Zebra Kids, um, it's been a blast. Um, I love the Knights. They're crazy, <laughs> wacko family. they had the best. Bless them. Um, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think who else was from that period. Uh, I got to wrestle a lot. of The guys like James Tiger, Matt, who um, you know, were making a big name for themselves at the time. Um, I've been real fortunate. Yeah, it's been it's pretty dope.
2: And uh, I think as well, if, if, if I, I I couldn't remember this, but Steve kind of reminded me. But when we did Cleethorpes Pier. You were there, you did the show with uh, Andy Simmons, is that right? I think so, yeah.
0: I think you told me that. I I couldn't remember at all because you you looked completely different at the time. But we had a little tiny show up at Cleethorpes. And I think you, you reminded me, I think you worked with Simmons up here.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember arguing with you over expenses about something. So uh, I, that, then, then it's,
0: then it's probably true. You probably did it. Then it's probably true. You probably did that show. Yeah. it's a uh, a mile.
2: Um, everyone knows that Pet- petrol prices have never rose since nineteen seventy-seven. This
0: is uh, and they never will. And they never will. Uh, <laughs> So when did you think that you were starting to get the hang of this job? How long do you think it took you before you started making uh, a dent and started to feel like you was uh, ready to kick it into gear a little bit more?
1: Mate, I'm still waiting for that feeling now of just feeling like I know what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where like I've just kind of I developed this mindset of like, you know, whether it's a good match or it's a bad match, it's still a match. So I'm just gonna go out there and do do the best I can, you know? So um yeah, I guess like uh I started to get like um I just I've always just tried to work hard and just try to always be in the you know, in the right places, you know. Um if there's somebody that you wanna learn from and they only work for a certain promotion and try and get to that promotion, do you know what I mean? Like turn up, pay your dues, you know, help out at the show. Like, you know, for my first few years. After I debuted, like we still traveled to shows uh, for guys like John Fremantle. That when we weren't even on the show, just to help set up the ring in case anybody, you know, a car didn't make it and they needed people to step in, you know. Um, that's just, I guess that's just part of like, you know, the parcel of uh, of being in the wrestling business, isn't it? Is just trying to get your name out there. And that, uh, um, i you know, I've managed to build sort of like a slow, sort of steady momentum, you know, for the first like two to three years into my career. Um, and yeah, and then just. It's just kind of one been one of those things ever since where it's just you go for ups and downs, don't you? And just always trying to keep your head down and keep progressing forward.
0: And what was the big dream when you first started? What was your aim? Mine was always Japan. That was always my thing to get to Japan Uh, What was your what was your aim when you first started?
1: Dude, I had an entire like fairy tale mapped out of like I go to this place here and then some of that there and then some of this and some of this. Um, And yeah, I've been super fortunate that like I've actually pretty much managed to do that. So, uh, yeah, I've done like a lot of cool stuff in wrestling. It's been it's been out of a, I guess, 13 going on 14 years now that I've been doing this. So, uh, yeah, I've been real fortunate
0: definitely i mean we're we'll, we're looking at your wikipedia page here and uh, you know i'll be the first to admit we'll we'll put this up front you have a career that i don't follow as in the promotions that you've done really well in and the promotions that i have i i went to live in cyprus I drifted off from the wrestling scene of that. Youngie follows that, but the kind of thing that I want to talk to you about is to actually get information on that, if that makes sense. So I'm always willing to learn, so I'm hoping that you can fill me in on these promotions.
1: What do you want Uh, to know about it, mate?
0: I would like to know how you feel um, British wrestling progressed um, and how it really came back to prominence and what brought it back to that.
1: I think what brought it back to that was just a, it felt like a generation of people that were all just wanted to do good, right? Like, it feels like a lot of promoters kind of got their heads switched on. Like, you know, if you compare the difference between promoters, I feel like you had to deal with sort of 10, 15 years ago to now. It's insane. It's completely different. Like, the fact that there's just water or like energy drinks or a physio backstage at a show now, or like, I... You know, having come from that kind of place where, like, you know, when you first get into the business, you're treated like dirt, do you know what I mean? Because they want to weed out, like, the bad ones or whatever. And you haven't, you don't always, you know, promoters aren't always the the most truthful of all people. Like, now when you have, like, bottled water backstage or something, I'm like, oh, I don't trust this guy. He's trying to sweeten (laughs) us Like, do you know what I mean? It kind of goes the opposite way. but. No, I think it's really just a generation of guys who just, you know, there was um, a lot of talented people who came through, a lot of passionate people that, you know, uh, went out and traveled. And it felt like there was in the past sort of five to 10 years, there's been a lot of young guys who have traveled and gone to all these different places around the world, but they've all come back to England. And that, kind of, that the things that they learned have rubbed off on, on each other. Um, you know, I think that we've been super fortunate that we have as many wrestling promotions as we do in the UK. So, you know, guys get to wrestle more, they get to kind of, you know, adapt, they get to, you know, be in front of different sort of audiences, um, you know, and become more well-rounded performers. And I also think as well, like a big shout out to all the people that help out our shows. Like there's a lot of people that turn up, you know, uh, whether it be camera people, people backstage, you know, referees and generally any kind of auxiliary role, uh, you know, promoters as well. Like they've, you know, it feels like there's been a huge push in the last few years um, to really try and make something out of British wrestling has been awesome to be a part of.
2: Yeah, there's, I think there's a notable. I mean, I, I don't do an awful lot nowadays, but like I still do. I, I ring announce for BWR still and the the value in just the difference in production the difference between the amount of, kind of that the, just the talented people that want to be involved whether not just wrestling wise but behind the scenes in production in sound it's it's a world of difference it's, it's such a difference so just taking a ring into a middle, middle of a village hall and having an eight man show or whatever it's it is night and day now isn't it
1: yeah it's been it's been such a shift from what it was you know um looking back at it to, to where it is now i'm really excited to see where it goes in the next few years
2: did you how, how long have you been full-time then Mark? How long?
1: um so so full-time wrestling has been sort of something where it's been in kind of like patches. as you know like there's sometimes where you need like a secondary job to you know support yourself um i <laughs> I left my last job in 2016. I was a uh, personal trainer for about a year and a half at David Lloyd Gym uh, over in Worcester. Uh, So, yeah, I left there in 2016, and wrestling's been my full-time income since then.
0: Tell me about Progress Wrestling. Tell me how it started for you. Tell me how it started for you. Tell me how it got to prominence, and tell me about the deal with WWE.
1: Okay, so the uh, I got started with Progress Wrestling when they sent me an email in early 2012 before their first show, saying um, we're um, you know with uh, John, Jim, and Glenn. Um, or I think maybe it was just John and Jim at the time. Uh, we you know were running shows in London um we'd like you to be involved and I looked at the email and thought running shows in London (laughs) good luck like because at that point in time nobody did and anybody who did just flopped right so I was like that will never work and then like you know straight away after the first show I heard that it was like a really exciting gig and like you know it actually came off I was like oh damn like that's insane like they you know proved me wrong straight away and then like I guess just a few months later, there was an opportunity to bring me in. Um, they brought me in. I, I told them that. You know, I was like, yeah, sorry. I kind of just figured you weren't going <laughs> to, you know, succeed. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that you did. So here we are. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've had a working relationship with them for, uh, yeah, I guess since t- 2013 now. So uh, it's been a few years. It sure has.
0: It's amazing. I'm, I'm absolutely amazed how it's all doing so well for everybody. So
1: media has been like a huge part of that because nowadays like people can um you know they can make like uh, names for themselves on the internet you know you can um you know whether it be a clip from a match or something that gets retweeted maybe it's you know a funny video um you know nowadays it's a lot more accessible than what it was do you know and it's um yeah when you based off of algorithms and such like there's there's a way that it can you know that you can uh, capitalize the most on, on what it is that you're doing. And if you're smart with it, you can really make a career for yourself for it. So uh, like you were saying a minute ago, in regards to like YouTube and such now, like nowadays, you know, social media to some extent is part of the wrestling business. Like it's not just, you know, show up, do the job or whatever. It's like keeping that brand alive. Like, you know, while you're going from show to show.
2: Yeah. And you, you and your other half are kind of uh, looking at your Twitter and things like that. You're very, very kind of, tell me if I'm wrong but I I think you're very conscious of what you put on social media how you market yourselves the both of you would that kind of be correct or are you just putting it all out there and I'm reading too much into that
1: (laughs) sometimes I just tweet whatever it is that I'm thinking and yeah sometimes I look back and be like yeah I probably shouldn't but uh (laughs) yeah um it, it really varies man like a lot of time like Yeah, I'm just a hermit. Like, I really am. Like, I like being in a quiet corner of the globe where no one can find me. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, I don't know. That's just the way I'm wired. So sometimes when I'm at home, like, yo, I'll leave my phone in a room and I won't look at it for, for hours at a time just because yeah I'm off doing something else like I've got super into woodworking recently while we've been stuck in uh and think dude you should mate you would be impressed right so uh I built my wife a bed frame from scratch right <laughs> really awesome wood yeah an entire bed frame like I've built so much stuff. I've built a pull up bar in the garden. I'm waiting on the woods so I can build the rest of my outdoor gym. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've really taken to it. So um, yeah, I guess that that's kind of one thing is just whenever I do have something to tweet, it's something I actually have to tweet. So it just looks like it's carefully marketed because the rest of the time I'm somewhere else. <laughs>
0: So hey, you mentioned I- obviously your wife. Your wife is heavily involved in wrestling. Um, how did you two meet? Was was it through wrestling, or did she get involved in wrestling uh, after she'd met you?
1: So the first time that I'm, uh, I remember seeing her. I went to a show years ago. Um, a friend of mine was on the show, and uh, he was he was really down at the time. Um, so I went to just go and hang out and just see him wrestle. I turned up like um, um, I didn't tell him I was going to be there, and I was just sat there and like. Uh, yeah one match finished and then the next match came out I remember this uh this manager came out of one of the teams and like it, I, where, I can't remember where it was. I want to say it was the show was in Sirencester, right? So it was just kind of like it was raining outside. It felt doom and gloomy, and then like I just suddenly saw this like ray of light. Like do you know what I mean? I was like literally looking around. Like is nobody else seeing this? Like this is like the most beautiful woman ever. Like do you know what I mean? Like she's incredible. Like I didn't even watch the match. I just looked at her. I was like, wow, she's insane. And like I think I said to my friend after the show, like oh, you know, was her there? Was she uh, he was like, oh, she's uh engaged or getting married to somebody else i was like all right i'm not stirring the pot like i mean i'm I'm out of here um anyway like uh her relationship ended uh she got into a relationship with another friend of mine like you know i'm you know not interested in doing anything you know uh sort of seedy or whatever um so like you know just always polite like you know we just kind of knew each other we talked to each other um like uh occasionally and then uh yeah i think just one evening um i went to hang out with a friend uh who was hanging out at her house and they said i'll just come around and i was up for an adventure and i wanted to go out and get drunk right so um yeah like uh, um we just kind of met up and uh we just went out had a few drinks uh we came back at the end of the night and like i was just chatting to her and just you know when you just speak to somebody and just the more that, that like you find out like everything you have in, is in common right and like I remember this moment because I smoked at the time and I was smoking a cigarette out the window and she just said like something along the lines of like I want and just like I felt this like pull on my heartstring just saying like, I'll give her anything that she wants right now and I was like whoa this is not like what is this <laughs> Do you know what I mean like I was like this isn't normal like what's going on like, I've never felt this before Do you know and then uh yeah just I guess from there just kind of like chased her and uh yeah uh, eventually we uh we got married and yeah we have two beautiful kids now so uh it, it's been uh it's been a bit of a fairy tale i guess you could say
0: <laughs> she's a, a very beautiful lady very beautiful lady indeed
1: she's stunning mate like seriously she uh, yeah if if i looked like her i'd have an only fans account as well <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she does she because obviously uh does she work over in ring of honor with you then
1: yeah, she comes out to America with me. She was out. So the last time we were out there was Vegas. So we um our plane landed, we switched our phones from airplane mode off and the first message we get through at the shows for the weekend are canceled because of the coronavirus, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, we um we ended up taping some stuff. Uh it was just like an empty arena matches. Uh and she was with me uh for that and then, you know, Ring of Honor really looked after us. Uh go give a big shout out to Caitlin Lipinski in the office she sorted us out some flights and got us home early so that we could you know get out of america because we were terrified of just being you know stuck in lockdown and being stuck the other side of the world
0: gosh and i know that um ring of honor um obviously there's people who you know very well there as well because is marty Skill not involved with the ring of honor in a <laughs> um a booking capacity there now
1: yeah do you know how hard it is to take Marty seriously as your boss when you've carried him drunk <laughs> like, you've carried him drunk how many times like it's yeah I'm like I'm Marty I'm not taking orders from you man <laughs> like, like damn but uh, yeah it's a, it's a conflicting relationship like I support him as a booker but also Marty don't get too out of Nick right like you know what I mean just I'll put you back in your place son Yeah. You know I, mean?
0: <laughs> I think he's, he's he's sold enough umbrellas to retire now hasn't he
2: oh I'm sure he has yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Who would have thought an umbrella would have been a, a fantastic marketing tool in wrestling? Never since Mary Poppins has that uh, umbrella has been so popular. It's great.
1: The thing that I love most about it is that you can get an umbrella in pretty much any city you go to, so you don't even have to travel with it. Like, do you know how much happier? Yeah. If I could just turn up and buy my gear in whatever city it was <laughs> that I was wrestling in, I just I would I don't even think I'd travel with a bag.
2: <laughs> no, just 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 yeah, travel the world, empty bag, buy it all. The American version of Primark, it'd be lovely, wouldn't it? That'd be great. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, but the so when was the first time you got to go abroad, then? When was the first time you got, and got an international booking? I think
1: my first international booking was uh, going to Germany in two thousand seven for WXW uh yeah i'm i'm pretty sure that was it so um the terrifying thing as well was so uh i made the mistake of watching um oh gosh hostel like two or three days before right <laughs> so uh, they fly you into dusseldorf weiss airport right and like i i hadn't really traveled and i the times i had they've been big airports so we turn up in the sketchy looking airport right? Like where there's like one shop and I'm like, oh my gosh, like who's picking us up? Some random person just grabs us and like takes us and we're like, we well, guess we're going with here, right? And the uh, the uh venue at the time, it was like it's a big warehouse but like some of the windows were broken like, you know, it just looks so sketchy it looked like it was in the middle of nowhere like we get onto one of these lift like it's like a platform where you pull a string but like there's no walls to it so like you could just fall off the side, right? So you have to kind of position yourself in the middle and we're going up into this warehouse and i'm just like i'm with joel redmond he he was the who i wrestled while i was out there uh yeah and I, he's stood next to me and i'm like joel mate we're gonna die hey <laughs> like, yeah we the lift gets to the top i look ahead i've never been so relieved to see a ring being built in all my life like, oh it is it is here. thank goodness um so yeah that was my first experience of uh wrestling abroad <laughs>
0: And we also have something in common, I believe. Did you wrestle uh, Misawa as well?
1: I did, yes.
0: <laughs> now, let's let's see if you can beat me on this one. How many people do you estimate was in the crowd for that show?
1: Uh, maybe a couple of hundred.
0: Oh, you beat me then beat me i i reckon there was about what do you reckon for mine 80? 80 was yeah, about 80. I reckon was about 80 yeah about 80 for mine nothing weirder than having like one of the biggest wrestling names in japan of all time and ladders like 80 people there it's just the weirdest thing of all time
1: so dude my experience was equally as weird because uh where i wrestled him was the uh the leisure center next door to the school that i went to and they used to rent <laughs> hall for where we did pe right so um, the story behind the show being held there was uh, uh, there was a close family friend who uh, she'd always looked after me. You know, she was almost like an honorary grandparent. Right. And um, she was really ill and I wanted her to see me wrestle before she passed. So, like, I, I um, you know, co-promoted that show in Farringdon, Oxfordshire with Mark Sloan for the And, it, you know, he. It was the day after the coventry skydome uh noah show, so he was like let's use the noah roster and put on a second show right so i'm wrestling mazawa in like my high school gym essentially and I, i remember there was one point in the match where he gave me the old tiger bomb right but as he goes to roll me back to kataro suzuki who was his tag partner in the match um my um basically my biker shorts come down exposing my ass right and like apparently everybody watching was like oh no it's like the hometown boy and he's his his ass is out in front of everyone so like anyway kataro gives me like this he has a move which is like a back suplex but you kind of take like a moonsault kind of bump over the shoulder and face plant right so as he picks me up with my, my ass hanging out he pushes me over and he reaches over his own shoulder and grabs my trunks and pulls them back up and like, as he hits the move and everyone apparently just like looks at each other as if to say like, this guy's next level. This guy can get you dressed while hitting his finisher. Like, you know.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, I had the, the weirdest, weirdest experience wrestling him though. It was a a very small hall in Scotland, probably 80 people there. Uh, it was me and Doug against him and uh, Ogawa. Uh, and I, I was on best behavior all day. Didn't smoke, didn't have a drink, Nothing. Not realizing that the guy smoked and like was was you know on Jack Daniels and everything. Yeah, weird, weirdest experience of all time. Did you did you get to Japan? Have you been to Japan?
1: Yeah, I went out to Japan about ten years ago for uh, Dragon Gate.
0: Okay, enjoyable experience
1: yeah it was a mixed experience yeah like the first tour was i think about seven weeks long so that was like the honeymoon period oh, wow. and then the second tour was like nine weeks and like i've never been in a summer as hot as the, the yeah the japanese summers are so i was absolutely dying out there if the venues didn't have aircon like it was just the worst <laughs> to wrestle in but um yeah no all in all it was a great experience so uh, yeah i love my time out there i think i was out of three tours over about nine months in the end so uh yeah i got to spend a lot of time
0: you also had a, a very—I remember this very well. It's when I was in Cyprus and I was watching this—a very strange run in TNA. You—you um, <laughs> you didn't seem to be there very often. What—what what was your story of your TNA run? Oh gosh, how
1: like in what level of detail do you want this?
0: <laughs> yeah, g- give us give us a, a, a middle in detail of your TNA run. Okay, so um,
1: I was first approached by TNA at the end of 2010. They had a, to- a European tour uh in January 2011 um and my first night you know I just it was a house show in Lyon France I think uh I was really you know um excited apprehensive I figured ah oh, they're just going to put me in there with like a local talent or something no they put me in there it was Shannon Moore and myself versus Jeff Jarrett and Matt Hardy with Kurt Angle as a special guest referee because him and Jarrett had a feud at the time, right? And then halfway through the match, him and uh, Jarrett brawl off, and then Earl Hebner comes out. And I'm just, like, looking around at everybody, like, this is literally everybody that I used to watch when I was a kid, right? Like, I looked at Kurt Angle, I was like, I used to have a wrestling figure of you. You're now, like, refereeing one of my matches. Like, it's such a bizarre experience, right? Um, so anyway, by the end of the tour, um, they, they'd offered me a, a deal. Um, it took uh, some time to sort of uh, for the deal to come together. I signed my first contract and then debuted at Destination X in July of that year. Um, around the same time, I think there was new people coming into office and, um, you know, there was uh, other people, I guess, like other things that people were paying attention to. Um, a lot more so than what some, you know, kid from England that they just signed uh, was up to. And, um, yeah, it was one of these things where I just got left at home for months on end. um, And I'd receive emails basically saying, like, oh, you're needed for TV next week. um, and, You know, so I'd, I'd wake up early the next morning to go and do cardio to try and burn off some of the belly that I'd <laughs> grown <since> up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then I'd check my emails. And, like, the first email that I had is, like, we didn't realize you'd still lived in the UK. Disregard that last email with the." <laughs> It would be in touch um they stopped me from working in the uk three months before the uh european tour in 2012 uh cut me off with no uh you know additional income like you know they don't want you work in the territory before they run it and uh yeah they didn't put me on any house show loop or anything like that um then it got to sort of you know around april i think uh 2012 and uh we were pregnant at the time and i was like okay i've got to do something now because you know um baby's due. So, Um, tried to renegotiate my deal, which took way longer and way much, uh, you know, so much effort just trying to speak to the right person, being pushed around the office from person to person. Um, finally got a contract signed. I think I was under because my previous deal had been per appearance, and this one was a downside plus appearance on top. Um, it yeah, they I was under contract for I think about a month. And then I think we were about like a month or two before baby was due. So I was like, I've got to be home because baby's due any day now. Like I gotta look after that. And they were like, Yeah, we're not gonna hold your contract. We're not gonna you know pay you to stay at home. Basically, like we're gonna you know release you. Um, yeah, give us a call and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll think about resigning you. And at this point, I just had such a bad experience with them. I just I wasn't interested. I was like, Screw it. I'm gonna go elsewhere. I want to go and do something else. Um, and uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. So uh, I yeah, I very much did all, like nothing there. Like while also tearing my hair out and arguing with everyone behind the scenes, trying to you know figure things out. And uh, I don't know, I just felt like it was such a typical thing that like they'll keep you at home for a year while they're not paying you, but the second that you are like you know getting paid a salary, like you know they'll they won't keep you at home for like three or four months. Do you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, I was just I. I was just really appalled by the company at the time. Like, I'm sure it's a different company now, but it was just one of those things where at the time I was like, nah, I'm done with this. Like, I'm going
0: elsewhere. Um, and what year was that? What what time period was this?
1: 2011 through 2012. By 2013, yeah, I was back independence on the, so in the full time. So
0: it's when they were, yeah, really kicking it then. It's when it was a, a popular company then.
1: Yeah, oh, dude, like, uh, when I was there, like, I remember being in a bar drinking with Ric Flair, which was, like, a cool experience because that's an H-boy, right? Like, that's uh-huh. what you want to do. You want to drink a beer with Stone Cold. You want to, you know, down a, a maker with Ric Flair, which is what he made me do. So this is the mistake <laughs> I made, right? So, like, for the entire so – on the tour, he was, like – he kept saying he wanted to get me drunk, and I was, like, I can't get drunk with Flair because – I won't get a contract out of this, so I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and avoid it. And on the last night, uh, like I'd already been offered the deal, uh, the office weren't staying at our hotel. I was like, okay, I can let my hair down a little bit, right? So he's like, your kid, do you want a drink? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what do you want? I was like, you choose, mate. Like you choose whatever you want. And he's like, you ever done a wanna maker? And I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's a shot of Jim Beam in a pint of Stella, and you have to neck it in one, right? However, Jeez. so, like, he wanted them to drop the shot in, but they poured the shot in. And Ken, uh, Ken Anderson, who's buying the drinks, he's like, no, Rick, they, they put the shot in. He's like, no, I want them to drop a shot in. Kid, you can deal with the second shot, can't you? And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Camera phone's come out. I've got to down this pint. I'm like, I can't look like a pussy now. Like, I've got to do this. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, like, sure enough, neck the pint um yeah he puts his arm around me kisses me on the forehead and then like tells me that you know I'm part of his group which he couldn't remember the name of so uh, <laughs> it, uh that was a fun experience there
0: <laughs> you mentioned a couple of times during this uh, meeting a lot of the people you used to watch as a kid uh how do you find and we've asked this question to a few of the guests how do you separate um working with these people as professionals and marking out meeting them
1: Oh, man, I don't mark out. I look at them, I'm like, hey, you were one of my favorite wrestlers as a kid. I'm going to job you the fuck out. Like, you know, I like, mean, <laughs> I'm in the zone, man. Like, I'm excited. I got to wrestle Bully Ray uh, at the end of last year, and, you know, hitting him with a steel chair is very therapeutic. So, uh Yeah that's that's all i can say about that situation but um no there's yeah i've been real lucky i got to wrestle a lot of people that i've looked up to and it's cool man like it's one of those things like it's weird because i always looked at people like that and i was like i want to wrestle these people i want to be in there with these people like yeah sure i think that they're great or whatever but i also want to you know go up against them like they're they're great but that's kind of why i want to go against them is because i want to see where i stand in in relation to that metric do you know what i mean so uh yeah i'm sure there's yeah there's probably been a couple of times where i've been like wow, this is really bizarre, like, I got to do uh, Madison Square Garden uh, last year with uh, Ring of Honor, and yeah, stepping out onto the stage, you're like, wow, that's a lot of people. Okay, on to work now, do you know what I mean? And then you're kind of back into what it is that you're trying to do, so, uh, yeah, this, yeah, I've been super blessed. Um, yeah, I got, got to wrestle, I'm trying to think, There's so many people, like, so many cool ones. Um, yeah, like, Sabu was one of my random favourites who I ever got to wrestle against, um, just just because of who he was, like, as a Sure,
0: person. yeah, sure. He, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves at all, no. Yeah, but no. also as well, like, just seeing
1: him in the back, like, he. Yeah, I remember, like, this, the guy who was driving him around, like, after our match, he was like, see, I, I told you you'd have a good match with Mark. And he was like, yeah, but I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> all
0: right. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 big... what about in the reverse? What about when you turn up, obviously, a big-name uh what about in the reverse when you do shows do you get um the young lads coming up to you
1: some and um, that's kind of weird because like I-, I don't know like i've always just had my head down just trying to like focus on like working on just making myself better and that and when people come up to you and they're like Yo, you know you're a huge inspiration to me as a kid i'm like as a kid how old am <laughs> i like <laughs> like do you know what i mean so um yeah, but uh, there's there's been a yeah, a good handful of times where people have said like yeah, I I was in the crowd as a child and now here I am and I'm like oh gosh I'm yeah the the years are adding up.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's, I, I must admit like and I mean I'm I'm thirty, I turned thirty seven on Saturday and I, when I read your age I was like he can't be that young. He seems to be around forever and a day. That you are you still kind of early thirties.
1: Yeah, dude, I turned thirty two this month. Um, I just had a tough paper round, I think. I, just, <laughs> I, I, <yeah. laughs>
0: I don't know. Tie tidy, tidy yourself up a bit. You'd make a good tramp. You'd be all right. <laughs>
1: Mate, the funniest thing is, like, seeing everybody in lockdown, like, everybody's looking super disheveled. I'm like, you all look terrible. I just look the same. <laughs> like,
2: just, you, know. you, you perfected
0: the lockdown look way before lockdown started. <laughs> yeah, there, you're right? playing my
1: game, son. Come on.
0: <laughs> I Honestly, I... I when we when I set up this interview, I remember uh, 2017 when I first did the podcast. We'd arranged to do this, and we had a mass thunderstorm in Cyprus, and we missed out on doing it. And I literally stopped the podcast the day after. It was nothing to do with you. I just like couldn't bother to do it anymore. So I'm super chuffed sure we got to do this. And looking at Wikipedia, I'm gobsmacked at the career you've had. You've literally. Uh, been all around the world. Have been signed to literally nearly every major wrestling company. Uh, what about WWE? Ever any interactions with them?
1: Well, man, you know my loyalty is to Ring of Honor right now, and uh, it's is so super awesome right now as well that how in wrestling you don't have to go to WWE to make a you know a living and a career um, for yourself. And I think like one of the the benefits of um you know being on the independent circuit is how much more control you have over your own brand how much more control you have over everything is that you do and you know um yeah i guess it's just kind of been one of those things where you know across the years um opportunities haven't always worked out necessarily the way that you wanted them to but you know you just got to keep moving forward you know i mean this is the only thing that i've ever loved that i've you know ever been good at and it's um something that um yeah i've just kind of continued to do just because i got a passion for it you know like i love being uh, involved in live shows but i also love having my peers people that i'm friends with like go out there being stood at the back of a hall and just taking in the atmosphere like when like it feels like when that crowd comes alive it's electric and there's no better feeling than just watching people you know lose their minds for what's going on in the ring and you know that it's just people like you who are just going out there just trying to bust ass and try and put on the best show that they can
2: yeah, it's, I think it, it's amazing to see how many of the British lads now are getting such good opportunities worldwide and in this country as well. Uh, I know that kind of you, you, you used to tour the camps with people like Nathan Cruz and Dean Ormark and that kind of crew. Um, do, do you kind of miss doing the camp circuit in that kind of way? or you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no um, like I great
1: for the time that i did them like they were so much fun and they're they're definitely something that i think that you should do as part of your career because you have to adapt to work in front of a different audience but yeah i'm quite happy to never wrestle another a camp show in my life um especially so like working for andy quilden and salesy as well like um, he always sold these inflatable hammers and just... <laughs>
2: the the bash-the-baddy bash, the hammers. Absolutely. Yeah, you get
1: thrown out of the ring and you just know that, like, you can't get a breather at all. You've got to fight, like, a, a group of angry children that have been armed. <laughs> the, the guy's
0: doing Madison Square Garden and you're asking him if he's missing doing Celsiology camp. What the fuck? <laughs>
2: It's, it's just like an old flame you it that's what i'm saying you know sometimes you're nostalgic for it sometimes you miss you miss them in a weird way but obviously obviously no, not in this case, not in this case. <laughs>
1: no the, the camps felt like a job like it was uh, yeah but um character building i say they were yeah a lot of fun times but um yeah I, i'd quite happily never do another camp show again
0: so then finally, on to where uh, you mentioned Ring of Honor. Uh, how did that come about? Did that start in the UK and build on to getting signed and working in the US?
1: Yeah, so they did a tour in uh, 2017, I think, was the first tour I did for them. Um, and uh, I think it was Mark Sloan who put me forward. Um, and um, yeah, I had a couple of shows for them uh off the back of that they brought me back a couple of other times uh both in the uk when they came over and just i guess from there they yeah they offered me a uh you know the potential to work together in the future and it's since the start of 2019 that's that's where i've been placed
0: superb and uh, obviously you're doing exceptionally well and you're traveling with the wife as well so that's a pretty perfect job eh
1: dude it's awesome yeah it's uh, it's great it's nice how we get to escape and you know go and uh, go and play for a bit i guess and then come back and then then it's straight back to like parent mode do you know what i mean like it as one thing i guess like adulthood does is like you've got many hats that you gotta juggle right you gotta go straight from like angry wrestler mode to like fun daddy do you know what i mean so uh it's uh yeah it, it's um it's a lot of fun trying to yeah juggle it all and and you know Try and push yourself in all different directions, but it's uh, it's, it's awesome, man. It's uh, yeah, I'm truly blessed.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, mate, for having a chat with us. No, um, I, I am uh, gobsmacked at your, your career and where it's gone to. So, uh, I'm chuffed for you, and it's, I hope it uh, continues of... on.
1: Lee Forbes Pier, and uh, <laughs> mate,
0: you're welcome to come back. You're welcome to. <laughs> uh, do you know, hey, hey, youngie, he's still here. We can. We can I... get him... It's
2: funny actually because I messaged Adam, who's the promoter at BWR and I went, I'm into you and have later. And he went, No, just a. To- see if he can do indies and it's like oh you can now so that's uh there you
0: go i think, I that think, I think... drop me
2: an email drop me an email you you the, right. man, the, the
0: right. man can right. but yeah uh, you know don't don't ask him if he wants to do older camps rather than madison square fucking garden next time <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you,
0: you, you've got to,
2: you've got to pretend you're an american on one night you're doing the power ranger on the 2nd
1: Sorry, <laughs> man i've uh I've learned this one. I've got this one's this trick up the up the old sleeve. I'll uh, yeah, I'll nail it. <laughs> nice Brian, right, the bro, thank,
0: thanks very much,
2: buddy. Thank you very much to Mark Haskins. Um it just for considering we didn't know him, really. What a lovely man. What a great guest. Very open, very chatty, um, very engaging. Thank you very much, Mark Haskins.
0: Lovely. You know, I'll, I'm openly admitting that um, Progress Wrestling and Ring of Honor is not my forte in knowledge of wrestling. Uh, so it was nice just to be able to have a chat, catch up, learn a few things. And uh, what a nice chat.
2: Yeah, brilliant. Really, really happy with that. And thank you, everybody, for your support so far. Again, we thank you every but we'll continue thanking you. If you share, if you like, you subscribe, we will thank you. Maybe one day in person. Who knows? Maybe we could do a live show one day with all eight of you. That would be great. So thank you to the Hooked on Network, which we are honoured to be a part of, as well as all the usual podcast outlets that you can get us from. You can subscribe, all of them things, and you can message us on Twitter, Facebook, Act Seconds Away Pod, um, and just yes, keep on spreading that word. Uh, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And uh, from me, Camp Young, the Prince of Jump of Camp.
0: Be seeing you. Be seeing you, old chap.